This is Amy Cohen Epstein, founder, president, and executive director of the Lynn Cohen Foundation and The Seam, the series for education and awareness in medicine. In this podcast, I'll be interviewing researchers, doctors, scientists, female founders, entrepreneurs to talk about women's health, wellness, and preventive care. Take a listen. I'm here today with Natasha Gregson Wagner. I am really excited. I'm just excited to hang out, <laughs> truly, honestly, and get into it. I'm going to start by saying I don't, you probably remember this, but when my mom passed away 25 years ago, there was like a week's time that's very blurry to me. Mm-hmm. Those kind of final days of her life, she was in the hospital, and then she passed away, and then her funeral. And I remember, I have a very like visual memory. And I remember very, very few snippets throughout that, let's say seven days. But one of the things I remember like a, like a video, like an, you know, like if it's, if we had phones then in my head was you at one point during that week took my arm and said, my mom's on the welcoming committee. Your mom will be okay. And like, I remember it as if it were yesterday. It's something I've retold to other people who have lost, mm-hmm. a parent in particular, friends who have lost their mom. Mm-hmm. And I've said to them, someone told me their mom was on the welcoming committee and my mom is now too, and your mom will be okay. I don't know if you remember that, but it was so powerful for me. I don't remember <laughs> that. But I, what I remember when your mom died was that it felt almost like... I was reliving a bit of losing my own mom because your mom was such a maternal figure for me and such a female force. And I spent so much time at your guys' house and so many dinners there. And she always made me feel so welcome and loved. And so I just wanted to give you guys something to hold on to, you know, like a stepping stone to just get to the next spot. Yeah. So I'm really happy that I said that and that it resonated for you because you ne- you don't always know what's going to resonate or how yeah. people are going to, you know, take what you say. Totally. And it did. I mean, it's really, really burned into my brain in the best way possible. So I've known you since I was about 10 years old <laughs> and we just established you're roughly six years older than I am, six-ish So you were like 16 when you came into my life. Natasha's one of my older sister, Whitney's best friends. And I watched you girls and I learned from you whether you knew it or not. (laughs) Honestly, whether I knew it or not. So, so much of my adolescence was built around my older sister's friends coming and hanging out at our house. And we we did have like a hangouty kind of house. And I 100% attribute that to my mom who was like, sit down, eat with us, come hang out, whatever you want to have in the fridge, we'll have in the fridge Mm -hmm. and sit by the pool, whatever it was. And you in particular spent so much time with us growing up. And to be honest, at that time, I don't think I understood the depths of why you did. Mm. To me, it was just that you were a good friend Mm -hmm. and we had a fun house and there was always a lot of food. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, but I think there was a whole nother layer to it, which was 
something having to do with like a need of yours that was being fulfilled at my house? Do you think I'm? Absolutely. I mean, there was, your house felt like the kind of house that I had before my mom died. And I imagined that had my mom lived, she would have been like your mom, you know, she would have been warm and chic and gorgeous and welcoming and everyone was invited and there was always delicious food to eat. And yeah, you guys sort of parented me. Your mom gave me much needed maternal love. And um, I don't know if I at the time knew why I was always coming to your house (laughs) besides just that I loved it there, but it was like a gravitational pull and it helped that we lived down the street from each other. So that was hugely convenient, but yeah. And, and I'm sure that your mom saw in me a need for her. She probably really recognized that in me. I remember her saying it a few times and being, I don't know in what context or when or Mm -hmm. why or how, but would say something along the lines of, like Natasha needs a mom or something mm-hmm. like that in, in not a, like in such a positive, lovely yeah, way. Yeah. And I, I remember not really understanding that. And I didn't really understand the depths of, clearly I didn't understand the depths of what losing a mom was like mm-hmm. and how that affects you for the rest of your life. How old were you when your mom died? I was 11. So I think about it a lot because my little brother, Robbie, who we both love, she was 10 when she was diagnosed with cancer. He was 15 when she died. And I've always been so tuned into him and his emotional roller coaster, if I may, because of losing a mom at that sort of pivotal age. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, you know, just something so, it's so impactful in a, in a way that you, you literally can't understand unless you're in that awful club, right? And I don't want to dwell on it too much. I liked it talking about it with you, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that is personal to everybody, yet a shared experience mm-hmm. that I think we can understand. And do you feel, after Lenny died, do you feel like you became Robbie's, like, mom? Totally. That, like, you stepped into that role. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was always very maternal. Like, when my brother came home from the hospital, I was like, oh, here's my little baby brother. Like, yeah. I'm going to take care of him. And I, I did. My mom, when she would go out for dinner, even though there was like a babysitter or whatever, a proper nanny, or she would look at me and say, you know, make sure Robbie goes to bed. She didn't look at my two older sisters and right. say that because right. she knew I would and I really want the, to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sort of had that desire in me always. But 100%, I was really protective of him and tried to be in a borderline big sister motherly role mm-hmm. for him because I think I just knew how important it was. And and losing my mom, I was 21, has shaped so much of my life. And I think, obviously, and, and I, I really want to talk to you about this. So it's been 25 years since my mom died. And I've made so many decisions along the way as an adult that I don't even know if I was consciously doing it at the time that were definitely dictated by the loss of my mom. So the big one, which we share, is this really burning desire inside to keep her memory and her spirit alive through the path I've chosen. The other is how I've chosen to be with my kids. Mm. And I know I'm really lucky and blessed that I have spent so much time with them growing up, but I don't think it would have mattered like my financial or financial situation. I never, I couldn't give up those moments because there's something in the back of your head that's like your reality, like you might not be here. So Mm -hmm. you need to just savor all of this and be there and be present for them. And then also career wise of 
pouring more of myself sort of outside the home, I would say, as Mm -hmm. I've gotten older and my kids have gotten older. I agree with all of those things. I mean, something about being sort of like the mother of my mother's legacy, you know, and being older than she ever got to be, which you are the same. About, yeah. About, or- She was diagnosed with cancer at 48 and I'm 47. So next year's like that, yeah, like moment. It's a big moment when you turn the age your mom was- that she died. And then it's also wild to then just, I'm 53. My mom died when she was 43. So I'm 10 years older than she ever got to be. And so because I have a daughter and you have three boys, yes, I want to preserve her legacy. I want to be the person that is in control of the narrative, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't like in my our situation because my mom was famous, you know, anybody that has an opinion, they they're just welcome <laughs> to have it and share it whenever they want and I don't I don't like that. And so as I became more sort of secure within myself and in my my own family, I decided that I was going to take control of the narrative and put out the woman that I knew, you know, which is why I made the documentary. Mm -hmm. And in terms of not working, that was just like a no brain. Well, I was also 41 when Clover was born. So I had, you know, dreamed about having a child and didn't know if I was going to get that opportunity because I met Barry when I was 39. And um, he had two children already. And the last thing he wanted was another (laughs) one. (laughs) Um, um, So I want to spend all my time with Clover. And and she's my favorite person. And it's so much fun. And so when she was really little and we lived in Venice, it was like me and all the nannies at like the Moo Moo music class and the this (laughs) class and the that class. I didn't care. But what I wonder if you feel like this, but I really feel like, being such a hands-on mom, I have reparented myself a lot and I have healed so many of my wounds through my daughter and parenting her. A hundred percent. And I think there's even been moments when I recognize that mm-hmm. I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And and those times where you wanted to ask, you know, you just wanted to talk to your mom and say, what do I do yeah. now? Like, what does this mean? And how do I deal with this when the wonderful, great moments is equally as the really hard and maybe sad ones. Yeah. They're very equal into when I want to, you know, want to pick up the phone and call her. The number is still blazed in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it is in yours of, mm-hmm. of just what do I do? Like, yeah. how are you going to help me get through this? And then realizing you can't, but having to figure that out has absolutely helped me grow and continue to heal, I would say. Right? Yeah, I think so. And did you find women in your life that were sort of stand in mothers? Like I started with Linny. Yeah. Uh, did you have, I have. you continued to do that? Yeah. And it was interesting because it was some of the women that were close to my mom mm-hmm. that I didn't think would take that role. Mm-hmm. So the the natural ones, it didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. It was a couple of her what the other, what the older friends would call her newer friends. Okay. So friends of hers that she hadn't had since grammar school, like a newer mom friend Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who really wanted to be that person for me. Mm -hmm. And I gravitated towards naturally. Mm -hmm. And two and a half decades later, I'm, you know, they're the older women that I call who have more life experience and depth and wealth of knowledge that I'm excited to hear it from them. Absolutely. And 
I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like I have such intensely close female friendships because of losing my mom young. And I definitely look to my girlfriends as mother figures and Mm -hmm. moms and, you know, like Clover, it's funny. She doesn't, she gravitates towards boys still, right? And she's very much a, I wouldn't call her a tomboy, but she likes to play sports and guitar and, and just all her best friends are boys. And she has a couple girlfriends, but I said to her the other day, you know, it's middle school and you're going to want to make some girlfriends. (laughs) And she's like, well, I have you. And I was like, "Uh, you do have me and, but I'm your mom too. (laughs) But I was thinking, you know, maybe the reason it made me wonder if one of the reasons I have sought out female friendships so intensely is because I didn't have what Clover has. I'm sure it is. And I didn't have my closest friends now or girls that I grew up with that I've known my whole life. And those friendships were really reinvigorated Mm. when my mom passed away. And I think it's because now that I look back and I have the, you know, the the hindsight and also growth years to Mm -hmm. know it, I reached out to them and sort of pulled them back into my life in a way that they knew me. They knew my family. They knew my mom. They knew my household. They knew the dynamics that existed or exist with my siblings and my parents. And so the way that they could understand me and our friendship could sort of then really thrive. So there was like a safety there with them Mm -hmm. kind of, and Mm -hmm. a through line of your childhood or or, or like the time in your life before she died. Yeah. It was really, and it's very comforting. Mm -hmm. There's something really it's just really comforting and knowing that they look at me and we can talk about what's happening in the present, but mm-hmm. with this built on this foundation of our our whole lives, going through puberty together, yeah. all those things. Yeah. And, and, and I think when you have a mother who was a force of nature, yeah. like your mother Larger was. Than life. Larger than your mom. I, I mean, mean, your mom wasn't a movie star, but she was a movie star in her world. <laughs> yeah. of Brentwood, you know, with yeah. all her friends and she had her own star quality in, yeah. in my opinion. And, you know, everybody loved her and gravitated to her and, and stuff like that. And so when, when you have a parent like that and you have your friends that were around that kind of a parent, Yes, you still want them in your life because they saw that like golden time yeah. of your life. Yeah. Do you talk a lot with your boys about your mom? Like all how, the time. Yeah. Like they call her Grandma Linny and uh-huh. they know her. It was really funny. My middle son, he's like very male and this like credible athlete and all this stuff. But he's of all my boys, like loves jewelry mm-hmm. and he loves to come in my closet, like look in my jewelry drawer. Mm-hmm. And the other day he pulled out a necklace that was one of the last things my mom gave me. And it's just a really pretty little necklace that was for very appropriate for a teenager. And he's like, I want to wear this. I said, you can, but I'm going to tell you the story behind it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, now I really want to wear it. Like your mom gave it to you uh-huh. and I can wear it. And it's it's like an heirloom. Oh, yeah. It's really yeah. sweet. Yeah. That is so sweet. Yes. I really love talking to Clover about my mom and, but one What do you thing, talk to her about? I, like, what I, do you say? I'll, I'll say things like, oh, Grandma Natalie, she, because Clover loves to chew gum. She's like, I say, Grandma Natalie loved to chew gum. Same with also. my mom. I know she did. Yes, yeah. Yes. And I don't really like to Me chew neither. gum. Me neither. My youngest son likes to chew gum too. And I like hate it. <laughs> so like little things like that when she, or Clover is super organized and, you know, likes everything in its place. And my mom was like that. I'm, I'm like that too. I like to 
point out to Clover the way she's similar to her grandma Mm -hmm. or I'll tell her funny stories about my mom. And she knows a bit about, you know, her career and stuff like that. But yeah, it's also very healing to keep them alive in our family with our children and stuff like that. In such a positive way mm-hmm. to, you know, really keeping life and real. I've tried not to be like too overwhelmingly. They were perfect because then right. they're striving to be that, but very real. And they were these amazing women who, like you said, you're, they were both, I mean, your mom was a movie star in the age of golden movie stars. And my mom did. She was like the star she of was her, totally. her own Real Housewives. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think so. Without the like ridiculous drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And she was sort of like the hub, like everything just kind of yeah. flowed around Linny. So, and my mom was like that. But the other thing um, Clover asked me once, she said, mom, are you so sad that you don't have a mom? And I was like, You know, I wanted to be honest. And of course I was honest, but I also, she's like, but how do you, how do you not feel sad about it all the time? Because if I didn't have you, I would feel so sad all the time. And so I had to really think about that, you know, because how do we not feel sad about it all the time? But how do you not feel sad about it? I mean, I think I've spent a lot of years working very hard on myself in therapy and, in other spiritual ways that I work where I trust that she's nearby and that the life that I've created for myself, I love, I love my life and I wouldn't want it any other way. And, and I certainly wouldn't trade my daughter for my mom. Yeah. Even though I wish my mom could be a here on earth grandma, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I guess I, there's this play by David Lindsay Abair. It's called Rabbit Hole. It was also made into a movie with Nicole Kidman. But the daughter, Becca, had lost her son and her mom had lost her brother. And they were finally cleaning the clothes out of the boy's room. And Becca asks her mom, like, mom, does it ever go away? And she said, no, it never goes away. But it's kind of like a brick in your pocket. You put your hand in there and you're like, that's what I have instead of my person. I have this brick. And then Becca says, and, and then the mom says, and it's okay. Yeah. You know? And I mean, it is right. Yeah. I mean, it we, has to be. It has to be. It, yeah. it completely has to be. But, but of course there are times that feel so poignant and harder than other times. And how have you found this incredible creation. I don't know what to call it. A business, a brand, a I life. I don't know <laughs> either what to call it. <laughs> but a, a culmination, a an evolution. An evolution. <laughs> yeah. And with 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 the documentary and then these physical products yeah. that you've made that are I mean, I can't imagine I actually thought about it today and I was like, I have lots of like very intense memories of my mom. Most of them are what she was wearing mm-hmm. or her like she had some funny jewelry, like things she like that. She had those big pearls. Big right? pearls. Yeah. And then she had a lot of like what she would call her like costume mm-hmm. neck earrings that were like huge. Yeah. yeah. But they weren't like precious, but yes. they were precious to her. But it made me think a lot about her scent mm-hmm. um, when I was thinking about talking to you because my mom had a collection of perfume bottles in her bathroom. In her bathroom, yeah. Yeah. And, but I, I, have I a remember a scent that your mom wore a lot. What was I it? don't remember the name of it, but I just remember 
the smell of it kind of, or that when we came into your house, we could yes, smell your you mom. You could, you could. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, what if I tried to recreate yeah. that? It'd be so interesting, but you've done it and you've made, I mean, must've been the scent of your mom just lingers in your life and you, to put it into this gorgeous bottle and have her name on it. Like, what did that do for you? How did it feel? How did you go down that path? So Clover was about two or three when I started thinking about it. And um, I love scent and gardenia. I like, I don't love it. Like my mom loved it, but it was really not something that I, it was kind of a foolish thing that I did because (laughs) I just, I had no game plan and I had no I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I worked, what was good was that I worked with a perfumer for two years because I didn't have, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I wanted to make the scent be exactly what I wanted it to be. So that Did you have that like stuck in your nose? Like, did you feel like like, you had the scent stuck in you? Yeah, I had the, I had her scent stuck in me, her Jungle Gardenia by Tuvache. That's what she wore Mm -hmm. or fracas. And so I knew that smell, but I knew that I wanted it to have the smells that I like, which is more of the citrus, right? Mm -hmm. Orange blossom Mm -hmm. and aroli and all that. And so that was like the melding and the marrying that we were doing, but they were in New York and I was in LA and so it took just a long time and they would send me and I would go there and stuff. And then I'm like, okay, I finally got the fragrance. And then I'm like, oh my God, I have to pick a bottle. And then I have to do <laughs> a box and packaging. And so it was very overwhelming and I didn't think a lot of it through. And then I had 5,000 bottles of of her <laughs> this fragrance that I named Natalie. And I- had, And did you always know you would name it Natalie? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm actually changing the name of the fragrance to L'Amour Mare, which means mother love in French, because I'm creating a third scent now. So mm-hmm. it's it's growing. But at the time, yeah, I just thought, okay, I'll call it Natalie Fragrance. And I had lunch with my acting manager who I, I wasn't acting anymore. And she was like, so you have 5,000 bottles of fragrance. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's in a warehouse. And she's like, okay, you need to meet my friend who's a beauty publicist. And then suddenly I started working with this amazing woman named Merritt Loughran, who has a beauty publicity company called MMLPR. And she just like took the whole idea. And the next thing I knew, I had sold out of those 5,000 bottles (laughs) and I had to order more. And then I was just kind of like on this thing. And so the reason that the fragrance is so important to me is that it was the first time when I did it, an interview with this woman, Katie Rosman, for the New York Times style section. And she came to my house and we spent like two days together and a lot of time together. And I talked super honestly about my grieving process, about my mom, about my divorce, about, you know, the trials and tribulations of my life and in a way that I had never done before. And then they said, oh, they're going to put you guys on the cover of the magazine of the style section on the Sunday, Sunday style section. And I was so petrified because I'm like, <laughs> what did I say to her? What is this going to feel like? But then I read the article and I felt it was so amazing. Thank I you. Remember but I it. felt so much better. I was like, yeah, this is, this Your is truth. who I am. Like, yeah. this is my authentic truth. And so that was sort of what got me on the path of wanting to talk more about my mom. And uh, so then that's how sort of the documentary started to come to be and my book. 
And then um, the fragrance just kind of went into the background. I mean, it was still, you know, we were still selling it, but I wasn't that involved for a few years because I was busy doing the other stuff. Now I'm back involved because I have all these great ideas. <laughs> I think they're great ideas. <laughs> and and no, if, if someone told me 10 years ago that I would have done any of these things related to my mom, I would have said no way because I was always so, so private about it. Yeah. But I feel like that was kept me like in the dark a little bit with my sadness and that putting myself more into the light and having like what's specific become universal has really been like the best thing I could have done. And do you feel like you know her better after going For doing sure. all these things? Oh my gosh. I know so much more about her than I did because I don't know if you feel like this with your mom. But like, I kind of felt for a long time, like, this is what I know of my mom and these are my memories and they're just here in this box and they go with me where I go and I don't need to like get in there and look at other things Mm -hmm. or add Mm -hmm. more into the box. Like we're, this is how it is, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. But then when I started to do the research with Laurent Bouzereau, the director and Manoa Bowman, who is our family archivist and the archivist for the um, documentary and he, he and I worked on a coffee table book about my mom called Reflections on a Legendary Life. You know, it was helpful for me, for other people to be like, oh my God, did you know that your mom did this? And, or look at this, Natasha, did you know, look at this magazine or look at this writing of your mom's or, you know, and so it was, it was like a little bit like being Alice in Wonderland because you just don't know, like, a couple of times I like fell too far down <laughs> and in the rabbit hole. And I'm like, oh, this is like, this is intense. Yeah. But I mean, I'm the adult. I'm the mom. You're now. the mom. I'm the mom. I'm her mom. Yeah. Like, do yeah. you feel like that about your mom? Totally. Yeah. I, I feel like that. I'm her mom. And I'm definitely her, the mom of, or the parent of her, her legacy. You, you are. Know? So... And what what about the responsibility that comes along with that? How does that make you feel? It's a lot of responsibility. I feel fine with it while I'm alive. (laughs) I I worry if if I were to not be here. I've I've talked to some different people about who would carry that on and take care of it and and all of that because it is. And then uh, my godfather, who I was really close to, who is a playwright, Mark Crowley, he passed away in 2020 and he left me his estate as well. So I have the responsibility of his estate. And um, so, and I actually think I'm the right person for these jobs because I, I like it. Like I like to be the wind beneath other people's wings kind of. Yeah. Also, you know, the way your mom was and the way we grew up and the way my mom, you know, that's kind of like a different, people don't always aren't really like that so much It was much a different anymore. era. It was a different era. And so I like the idea of educating people about those times, yeah. you know, because people lived so elegantly and with so much dignity, you know, that yeah. isn't always, we don't always see that. No. I mean, I joke sometimes where <laughs> there's a friend of mine that I have been friends with since we were in kindergarten and she would always say, where were our moms going? <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. They were in like full pants. They were always dressed up in, in heels 
for like no reason. Yeah, you know, where, where it was just going? Monday. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no way that on a Monday they would be in their sweatpants. That, there was no sweatpants. Yeah, like, there it wasn't an pants. option. Yeah. No. And jeans was a big deal. And and I just I think I think back, I'm like, I have no idea. That's you know, so funny. even like a luncheon, like it didn't require that level of of no of dressiness and and that's just like the the physical re- representation that was uh, just a hundred percent how she did things to go to the market to yeah. carry herself all of those things jewelry the jewelry and the makeup mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know the whole I mean mom my mom would put on a full face of makeup before she worked out yeah you right know? right yeah <laughs> she always looked completely perfect completely perfect and she didn't look like she had caked on makeup but no and I remember one time saying you're not really working out if like your eyeliner everything's on you're not sweating. She's like, yeah, I know, but I have somewhere to go right afterwards. <laughs> I don't have time in between. Yeah, and I work so out funny. now and I'm like drenched. Mm-hmm. And if I have eyeliner, I sh- even like one thing of like my upper lids of mascara, it's like all over my face. I can't even do that. It's just, it was such a different time in a different or, way. Or what about like if you're in a hurry and so you're like, okay, I'm going to work out and then I'm going to go to the market and yeah. then I'm going to get home and I'm going to make you know, dinner or lunch or whatever. And then you haven't even looked in the mirror. No. And then it's like four o'clock and you finally look in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been out all day looking like this. Where like our moms would never, never have done that. Never, definitely they, they not. Would, they would put themselves together first before they did anything else. A hundred percent. And there's something nice about that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. But there is also something that was so elegant and elevated and motherly. Yes, That very was much. really nice. And even though I think it it created more of a separation between, you know, your teenage daughters and the mom. Yeah. It also made it like something to aspire to mm-hmm. and to feel like that's what I'm supposed to do when I grow up. And I don't yeah, know, you nice had about like him. a model kind of, of, yeah. of this is what being an adult woman looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my mom wouldn't wear a lot of makeup, like when she was home around the house, right. like on a Sunday or in the mornings and stuff. And I remember I said to her once, like, I don't understand why you people think you're so pretty. Like, I I don't, I don't, you just, you don't look that pretty to me, you know? And also all my, my two best friends, their moms were like these blonde beauties and they looked more like Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. So I thought that was like what beautiful was, you know, I didn't think this like tiny brown haired woman with like freckles and big (laughs) eyes was like the thing. So that's funny. mm -hmm. But your mom radiated from within. I remember the first time I watched Splendor in the Grass with my mom. And I think it was that moment. I must have been 10, 11 or something years old. on the younger side mm-hmm. to watch that movie, I think. And I think she told me at that time, that's when she told me this is Natasha's mom. Oh. And we cried, you know, the whole yeah. movie. And yeah, there was such a, I mean, you don't need to hear this from me, but this magnetism and just larger than life Mm -hmm. sparkle that came out of her eyes that you have that is so, was so mesmerizing. And I think after all these years with what you're doing with her memory and her legacy, it plays on that sparkle. Like it didn't ever go Mm -hmm. away. Yeah. Not just for you, but for so many other people. Yes. And I mean, that's, what's kind of funny about the, I guess it's a brand sort of now. And is that the community that I've created that love my mom or they love the fragrance or they read the book or the documentary or whatever, they're so grateful that I'm doing all this stuff. And 
So that also feels like a healing too, because, and they've all found each other like on the Instagram or the Facebook or whatever. And so I makes me so happy because in fact, on my way here, one of my friends called and said, we had this friend and she was 80 years old and she passed away. And it turned out that she loved your mom and she has a scrapbook of like all these pictures of your mom, oh my God. you know, do you want it? And I was like, oh my God, I have like 400,000 of those because <laughs> my grandma made scrapbooks and we have like a memorabilia thing. And yeah. so I was like, no, I don't want it, but you know, give it maybe to the Goodwill and someone will find it there or whatever. But, but like she really impacted a lot of people. And, and so, you're introducing her and I'm to a whole another right. generation of, of women, men, whatever, that didn't know her when she was alive and are now re- introducing her to these people and then they can watch her movies and understand who she was at such a different level. And that she did so much for her business, you know, like she yeah. was like the highest paid movie star. She was so ahead of her time. Her life. And she was the boss of a lot of things. And, but she never sort of, she didn't wear it like in this tough way, you know, she was still really sweet and kind of feminine about it all, but she had this insane amount of power. And I love for other people, younger generations to learn about her, not just her, you know, everybody from that time, because they inform the time that we're living in now. And I'm proud of her. I'm proud of the accomplishments she's made. And I want people to, and, and I think it's cute, like on TikTok and stuff, people talk about her makeup or yeah. her fashion or whatever. And I think that's awesome, you know? Yeah. I think it's amazing. And I think to have, you know, bottled her scent mixed with yours mm-hmm. is, it's okay. so everlasting. I mean, it's so powerful. Yeah. I love scent. I think it's, I mean, what you leave lingering in the room is it's so, so nice. Important. Yeah, It is. And also, I mean, that was like one of the most bittersweet parts, I think, when she died, I don't know if you felt like this with Lindy, but I still smelled her, but she wasn't there. Yeah. And so it was it's like- like troubling. Yes. And it was like, it didn't, it was a paradox. Like there was the comfort in her smell, but then the the heartbreak of the fact that she was gone. And I don't know, I think that might be part of why I wanted to do the fragrance because it, it just never made sense. Like the smell thing, you know, how could they be gone, but their scent is still there and- so, and this third one I'm working on, the third fragrance, it's it's a lot related to the churches that I went into as a child and like the incense, the smell of incense oh. in the churches. And when did you, why did you go into churches as a child? Because my grandma was Russian Orthodox yeah. and was very into church <laughs> and she would always take me. And my mom would always say, don't take Natasha to church. And we <laughs> always went. But I was mesmerized by the whole thing. And not just um, the prayer, but like the smell. Like I just loved the incense, like the priest that would go yeah. wave those things. And then the smell of the wood and often like getting there. This happened a lot when we were living in the South of France, we would walk there and then the smell of the flowers getting there. And so like this new one is going to be about that, like kind of like the memory of like this moment, this time with my grandma. And I guess the thing with fragrance is that it is a story that you tell, you know, with the smell, with the scent and the different flowers. So, so when we do the, the run uh, at the end of the month, Uh like 
Do you feel your mom there so much or how does that, or do you just feel like that's. No, there's, there's different events that we do with Mm -hmm. the Lynn Cohen foundation, but that run kicking cancer, you're referring to the big 5k walk run is where I feel her presence the most. You do. I do. Mm -hmm. There's so many reasons. There's, we're right in Brentwood in West LA, which was like, as you said, she was the star of that movie. And it's outside, it's families, it's so many different people. It's, all about life and vitality and movement. And those are the times when I feel her the most Mm -hmm. because she was so alive. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like she would have loved it. Like that would have been something she was like, we're going to do this because Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun and we're all going to walk. And and it's so put together really nicely. Like that's a really important factor of it. And yeah, I absolutely feel her presence. I feel her in really running this foundation and pouring my heart and my soul. And it's been my entire adult life, yeah. really. I mean, you started it pretty we, soon. We started it. Yeah. We started it right when she died. And then within like 18 months, I decided this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I was barely 23 years yeah, old. that's right. And so it's been my way to heal. Mm-hmm. It's been my way to process. Mm. And it's been my way to grow in all the ways that you've described mm-hmm. is, you know, becoming a mom myself and mothering her legacy and mm-hmm. keeping it alive, but trying to do it in the most impactful and real, real way. Yeah. Um, and not really sugarcoating anything mm-hmm. and and doing the things that I think were really important to her for others and giving them yes. that. Yes. Has been really Because she was such a great friend, your mom. She was such a great friend and she would She was the one at the dinner table. If no one knew each other, it was like her responsibility to make Mm -hmm. sure everyone had a good time. And and she was a a bringer together of people, you know? Totally. And so I think that's what I've tried to do is have a community. Yeah, Yeah. community. Yeah. Community is so important. The older I get too, the more I feel like, oh, I am a part of a community. And certainly when when your children are young and in school, you're a part of that community, yeah. but that community really shows up for people. If you're authentic and it's a good one. Yeah. Or you seek out like that real authentic community. Yeah. I agree with you. But also I wanted to say about the um, 5k that I feel like whenever we do it, I reconnect with a lot of my friends from yeah. when we were all growing up and stuff. And I do, I think of your mom and I think, oh, she'd be so happy that we're like all together and yeah. we're all talking. Yeah. And, you know, because she was such a, and my mom was the same. I mean, that was why I gravitated to your mom because yeah. she reminded me of of my mom. Yeah. And yeah, and, and I think that maybe when we're, if we're lucky enough to live long lives, I think that we'll miss our moms, you know, when we're 80 or 90. For, it doesn't go away. No. It just is exactly how you put it from that. From that play, it's it is it's a brick in your pocket, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's really heavy, yeah, and sometimes it's kind of light, and it is stuck to you. Mm-hmm. And there are moments when I feel her presence. There are moments when I want to feel her presence, mm-hmm. and there are moments when I feel like I'm okay. You know, I'm really I'm okay, and I've taken the time like you have to you know, really get to know myself mm-hmm. and try to be the best version of myself and. We're not perfect Mm -mm. and we've had highs and lows, Mm -hmm. but I think that it's what makes today possible, right? And doing all the amazing things that you're doing. I mean, it's, I mean, I remember those years when I was little of 
you being a teenager and then through college in your mid twenties. And I mean, I remember you really, really well. And I can say with good amount of certainty that everything you've been through, you know, has made you who you are today. And I don't think your mom left your side through any of it. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. I think you're right. I I do feel her all the time. But the funny thing is that sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm so old. I'm way too old today to be missing my mom. Like I'm way too old to feel like an 11 year old or a 15 year old or an 18 year old. Because sometimes all you want is like your mom to just give you a hug or tell you it's going to be okay or just look at you the way they looked at you, you know, those are like those things that we'll never get those back. And so, but it's just, it's, it was the cards we were dealt. It is. And you, you have a choice, you know, Mm -hmm. how you're going to take those in and then sort of push them out to the world. Right. And I think it's a process Mm -hmm. to do it well Mm -hmm. and do it right for you. But if you allow yourself to go through the process and to, grow into the person that you're supposed to be and the really the best version of yourself, Mm -hmm. I think you can throw those cards out in a really powerful way. Absolutely. I mean, the hardest thing is to just like allow the messiness, you know, the discomfort of the feelings. But then if you do, they pass. And that's what's so unbelievable. So to wrap it up, or I'd talk to you forever, Natasha, (laughs) tell me kind of the one thing that you've learned about your mom through the documentary and the fragrance and the beautiful book that you didn't know Mm. or that surprised you or sort of the most dear? Well, I think that when I knew my mom, she was very much in control of her life. You know, she was, she was the boss of our household. She was the boss of my dad. She was the boss of us, her friends. You know, she was like a very empowered, to me, she seemed incredibly empowered. And I think what I learned about her was that she had a lot of vulnerable times in her life as well. And times that she was worried that she didn't know which path to take or, or how to get through a tight spot times that I've had, you know, in my own life. And so that made me feel like, wow, you know, she wasn't born just like, I've got this, you know, like she had her moments and her ups and downs, you know? And so I look at my own life and I think, okay, if I'm scared right now, or I don't know the answer to this problem, or I don't know how I'm going to get out of this tight spot, it's going to be okay because I will figure it out just like she figured it out. And so maybe I would say I learned about her vulnerability and her strength because my godfather would always say, your mom was the strongest of any of us. She held us all up, even though she was scared a lot of the time. And so am I, you know, and it is scary as a mom. You don't know if you're doing the right thing all the time and you don't know if the choices you make are going to be the right ones and all of that. So you kind of rely on your instinct and your intuition and your knowledge, but sometimes you fail. Totally. You're just human. Yeah, we're just human. You just got to do the best you can. Yeah, so I think I I really got to understand more of her humanness because I always looked up to her so much. Yeah, that's amazing. I love you. I love you. (laughs) 